going to have a look at Psalm 139. And the wonderful thing about Psalm 139 is that it's a very practical psalm. It's a practical psalm for us because we see in this psalm David, King David. But King David here is scared. He's scared and he's going to God. He's seeking clarity. And he wants to know what his next step might be. And this morning we're going to be reminded of what it is to engage with God. Engage with God whatever our need and whatever our circumstances. And we're going to see that God gives us everything that we need. Really, the key in this psalm is verse 18. Verse 18 we read that David says, I awake and I am still with you. This is important for David. This is an important moment because David here is in a situation. And it's not a situation that he's been sleeping in. It's not as if he's been asleep in that way. No, David is in a situation of great trouble. Everything is on the line for David. His life is hanging by a thread. The bad guys are after him. Possibly those led by Saul are pursuing him. David is on the run and he's hiding. He's probably out in the Judean wilderness where he often was. Powerful people stand against him and so he needs courage. He needs something that he doesn't have within himself. And so he looks to God in the middle of his circumstances. I can imagine David out there in the wilderness uh, starting a fire. Perhaps the fire has uh, been quite large and now it's just the coals and he's there with a stick just poking at that fire, considering who he is, considering the circumstances he's in, considering who God is. He's taking this time this quiet time to think through what's going on, poking that stick, poking the uh, fire with that stick. And he's meditating. He's meditating on who he is and, more importantly, who God is. And he says there in verse 18, I awake and I am still with you. We're going to see in this psalm that David goes through a change. There's something that is awoken within him. We're going to see him remember who God is. We're going to see, firstly, that God to him is an all-knowing God. Secondly, we're going to see that God is an ever-present God. And thirdly, we're going to see that God is an all-powerful God. And then we're going to see the way in which David's insight into who God is changes everything. His circumstances aren't changed, but his knowledge of God is. And for David, that changes everything. So firstly, David encounters an all-knowing God. Now, when we say that God is all-knowing, we mean that he knows everything. He even knows himself. God is infinite, and yet he knows Himself, God doesn't have to recall information. He doesn't have to reason toward a conclusion. He doesn't have to learn everything. 
God is the creator of everything and therefore he knows everything. He's always conscious of truth in all moments at all the same time. But God isn't just all-knowing for David out there as a principle. No, in verses 1 to 6 we, know, we read that God knows David. God knows David personally, we see there in verse 1. He doesn't just search everything, verse 1, he searches me. He knows me, in verse 1. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And this psalm reminds us that he has examined every part of our being. No matter how we might like to project ourselves, the image that we give to others as we go about our lives, God knows every part of us. He knows the reality of who we are. Verse 4, even before a word is on our tongue, some of us don't even know what we're saying until we've said it, well, Verse 4 tells us that God knows what we are to say even before we've said it. He's familiar with who we are, all our idiosyncrasies. And in one sense, that might be a little disconcerting. But David here finds great security in the fact that God knows him. Have a look there in verse 5. It says that he's hemmed in. Now, what David means by that is that he is safe and he is secure in God's knowledge of him. Here God is like a parent who is um, behind him and around him, protecting him. He's like a captain in front of him, leading him. God's knowledge of him gives him a security. He's not unknown. His circumstances don't go without God knowing them. And it causes him to wonder, verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. You see, what really blows David's mind is that he can't even know the way in which God knows him. God knows David in every moment of his life. And God knows him in this particular circumstances. In this particular circumstance. So firstly, God knows everything, and he doesn't just know everything, he knows David in every way. Secondly, God is always present. God is more than just everywhere. He goes with us everywhere. The Bible reminds us that God is limitless. He's boundless. He's beyond space and time. He is spirit. And yet, David is reminded that God does reveal himself in particular ways and in particular places. Although God is not tied to any specific location, he's not in, as Paul says, he doesn't live in temples made by hands. He does come to his people. He is present with his people. He's present with his people. Verse 7 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? David is reminded that there is no place he can go to avoid God. There is no secrecy before God. Great theologian St. Augustine says 
that there is no place you can go to flee an angry God except to, flee, except to the place to flee to a gracious God. See, we can't flee from him. We can only flee to him. There is no place that we can go that God isn't. And so we must go to him. And this is a positive thing there in verse 8. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Wherever David goes, he knows God is with him. And this leads to, I think, a rightful fear of God. There in verse 11, Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. See, there is a right fear that God is with us. There is no moment of our lives that is secret from him. Our sin is not hidden from him. It's not forgotten by him because it's done in the dark. All will be made known. The Bible reminds us, Jesus says in Luke 11, that there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. Words whispered in secret will one day be shouted to all actions done in the dark, will one day be brought to light. And so there's a rightful fear that we must have, that God does see everything. And so we, might, we must be fearful of the one who judges us and who judges every act. Nothing escapes him. But, verse 12, there is also great comfort there's great comfort because, verse 12, even the darkness will be, will be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Their darkness, in verse 12, does not escape him. He sees. He sees everything that happens in a person's life. He sees the injustice that they face, the pain, the hurt. And here we're reminded that God sees and will provide us either with an exit or with the strength to endure. And so firstly and secondly, we see that God knows everything. He sees everything. And thirdly, we're reminded that he is all-powerful. He's all-powerful because he is the creator of all creation. He's the creator of our world and the whole entire cosmos. But it's not the large places that David's mind is taken to, but it's the small places, the small places of every single person. David here is comforted by the knowledge that God has made him. There in verse 13. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. See, the psalmist here delights in the artistry of the human person. That every gene and every chromosome is intended by God. As he considers the world... As he considers his situation, he's drawn to consider each and every person that God has made. Every person is designed by God. The picture here is one of God handcrafting every human being. 
And so it's important as our society faces questions around the sanctity of life, around when life begins, it's important that we ask who decides to live or to die. This psalm reminds us that God is all-knowing. This psalm reminds us that every human being is knitted within their mother's womb because God intended that. And so who should take the life of those that God has given it to? The answer is no one. God is the one who gives life. God is the one who gives life in the mother's womb. And you notice here that the psalmist connects both the start and the end of our lives. God has, God knows both ends of our life. And we are precious. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows us and has formed us before we are born. And he knows the number of our days till our very end. And no matter whether we're in the womb or at the end of our lives, all people are precious to God. You are precious to God. We hate the sin that so racks us. We might even despise the effects that ageing brings. But we must never despise the body and the character that God has given us. Because he has formed us in our mother's womb. And every single day that we have lived is a day that God has chosen for us to live. Because we are precious to him. He made us. He cares for us. And so David's thoughts as he's there around the fire, poking the coals, are to a God who has made everything, a God who knows everything, a God who is with him at every point of his life, a God who is powerful in the big things and in the small things of life. And there David is taken, taken to be with God in his thoughts. But there in verses 19 to 22, there's this strange kind of interruption. David's mind is taken back to the circumstances that are before him. He's driven by a zeal to God, for God, to call on him for judgment and justice. Greed and violence surrounds him. And so he is taken to this moment. He's taken to this moment to consider his very present circumstances, the presence of danger that is before him. These thoughts about God are not just remote, abstract thoughts. No, these are thoughts that are brought into the very presence, into the very present of his circumstances. He considers who God is in verses 1 to 18. And there, in verses 19 to 24, he considers the dangers that are before him. Nothing in David's circumstances have changed. And yet, in verse 18, everything has changed for David. I am still with you. The God he communed with, in verses 1 to 18, is the same God who is there in his danger. It's a great reminder for us this morning 
the God that we are in fellowship with, the God who knows us, the God who sees everything, the God who has knitted us in our mother's womb and knows every day of our lives, that God is the same God who is with us now in the days and the weeks and the months ahead. When David says, I awake and I am still with you, he means that all these assurances, all these things that he's been cherishing perhaps for the last few minutes, it's not a dream. The love of God is more real to him than his present circumstances. Who God is, is far more important to him than the danger that he faces. And we as Christians know this because of the Lord Jesus. Whatever we are facing, whatever the next two weeks, two months might be, we know that the Lord Jesus is committed to us, that he is right here for us. He knows every moment of our lives. He knows where we stand. And... As we see in those final verses, if the Lord Jesus wants to correct us, if he wants to search us, then may he do that too. Friends, this psalm is a great reminder of the courage that we can have. The courage that we can have in the face of uncertainty. Our circumstances, I expect, won't change in the next 24 hours, in the next week. But what can change is our knowledge of who God is, of how he's present with us, of how he's with us even in the face of danger and uncertainty. Because the one that we really should fear is the one who we can sincerely sincerely welcome. The Lord Jesus knows us. He knows our sin. And yet he has died for us. We should rightfully fear him because of our sin and the judgment that he ought to execute. But in the gospel, he has come to us. He has paid for our sin, and so we can come to him. Our all-powerful king, the Lord Jesus, is our merciful friend. The only way our lives can go catastrophically is if we turn away from him. So for this moment, for this little time, here as we gather as a church, We can just for a moment let the world take care of its own problems and seek a deeper place with the God who knows us, with the God who loves us. Because when we know the love of God, when we find the security that is found in him, there we can be best placed to serve our world. The psalmist is reminding us that nothing surprises God. The circumstances that we find ourselves in today don't surprise him. Nothing blindsides him. In fact, he'll be with us whatever the next week or month holds. And nothing that we do will be ever so dark and horrible that it can block him out. God is as present with us in our hell and in our suffering and in our hardship as he is in the good times. Every moment in our lives has been scheduled by God in advance. Nothing is catching him off guard. We might be bewildered and uncertain, but God is wise 
and he's loving and he's caring. And what would we do if we didn't have him? Who could we turn to if we didn't know him? But we do and we can. And so I ask you this morning to come to God, to find that baseline, to find your compass in order to navigate what might be a difficult week, a difficult month. This is how Christianity works. This is how practical the gospel of the Lord Jesus is. When we take our needs to God, right where we are, right where we are, we find that in him he is all we need. Amen.